0: And the second reading tonight comes from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 18 to chapter 2, verse 5, and you can find that on page 1050 of the Church Bible. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is God's power to us who are being saved. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will set aside the understanding of the experts. Where is the philosopher? Where is the scholar? Where is the debater of this age? Hasn't God made the world's wisdom foolish? For since in God's wisdom, the world did not know God through wisdom, God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of the message preached. For the Jews ask for signs, and the Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is God's power and God's wisdom because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Brothers, consider your calling. Not many are wise from a human perspective, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise and God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something. So that no one can boast in his presence. But it is from him, God-given wisdom for us, that you are in Christ Jesus, who became God-given wisdom for us, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, in order that, as it is written, the one who boasts must boast in the Lord. When I came to you, brothers, announcing the testimony of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom, for I didn't think it was a good idea to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness in fear, and in much trembling. My speech and my proclamation were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a powerful demonstration by the Spirit, so that your faith might not be based on men's wisdom, but on God's power. This is the word of the Lord. Amen.
1: Hi there, my name's Dan. I want to pass this here. It'd be great if you can keep that passage in God's Word open, and we're going to look at that this evening. But let me pray for us as we come to it. Father, we uh, do pray this evening uh, that you would show us once again that the cross of your Son uh, is your power and is wisdom. A little we um, get so distracted by the wisdom of this world that we hear about so often every day uh, that we can easily forget your wisdom or even begin to think it is foolishness. But Father, we do pray that you'd convince us of the truth this evening and help us live by it. Amen. Well chapter 1, verse 18. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is God's power to us who are being saved. Friends, that's how it is. Uh, We've got to learn to live with that. Perhaps you're here this evening and you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus and you're thinking, that's right, the message of the cross, pretty foolish. Welcome, it's good to have you along. I hope you enjoy your time with us. Uh, But for many of us, uh, we're on the other side, that we're believers, and we feel this particular pressure. You see, we don't like that. The message of the cross is foolishness. I really wish it wasn't um, because I don't want my friends to think I'm foolish. Um, I feel that pressure. Um, I, I feel it when uh, I tell someone I'm a minister. And they're like, oh, really? Oh, you're a minister. Okay, right. And I go, oh, but I do a lot of, you know, um, social stuff. I go down to the, the nursing home and stuff. I'm, oh, yeah, okay, that's good. That's all right. Eh? You know, I feel that pressure to kind of, to change things a little bit so that I look powerful and wise in their eyes, the eyes of the world. Do you feel that pressure at all? Feel the pressure to want your church to be a place that is wise and powerful in the eyes of the world. So you say to people, I go to church. And they might say, really, great, right. that's fantastic. You go to church, oh, wow. They don't do that, do they? It'd be nice if they did. Or perhaps the message of Jesus, you feel like you'd love to be able to share it in such a way that people go, oh, wow, gee, that's a great message, amazing. That's so wise and, and powerful, that message. But they don't. We'd love for them to, but they don't. We can, we can make it that way, though, if you want. You can change your church and your message to make the world say, yeah, wow, that's, that's, that's good. What you do is you just extract the cross. You get rid of the cross. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. If you get rid of it, you're fine. But to those who are being saved, it's the power of God for salvation. Um, so, friends, we can't get rid of the power of the cross. We don't want to get rid of it. But if that is the, power of the, if that is the, the message of the cross that it's, that's at the, the center of, of our church, the center of us as, as Christian people, well, that's going to have some implications. What Paul does in this little section here is he first outlines the, this, this kind of dynamic that, that, that the message is kind of foolish and weak in the eyes of the world. And then he applies it to two areas of our lives. One is our, our church and the other is preaching. But let, let's start with this, this foolish, weak-looking message. Um, I was having lunch with a fellow just a couple of weeks ago, and he asked me, uh, wh- what is the thing that you really like about Christianity? What really convinces you about it? Um, and I said, amongst other things, I said, um, it's, it's explanatory power. I actually think the gospel just makes so much sense of the world and my experience of the world. I don't, I don't know if you agree. As our conversation went on, uh, it became quite apparent that this guy I was talking with thought completely the opposite. He thought the message of the cross was utterly ridiculous. Why, why is that? Well, why does this happen? It's probably a whole bunch of reasons. But the reason Paul gives here is quite interesting. Um, you look there in verse 19. He says, For, which means he's explaining verse 18. Uh, it's for... And he gives us this little quote from an Old Testament story. I just want to bring you into the story quickly. It's 732 BC or thereabouts. um, And one of the kings from Assyria is is coming down from the north to attack God's people. And they're freaking out. The wise leaders of Israel are very worried. What are they going to do? They could pray. They could pray to their God who who promised to rescue them. They could pray. No, 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 no. We're not going to pray. We're not going to do that. We're um, We're going to... Help ourselves. We'll help ourselves. What we'll do is we'll take it upon ourselves to go to our neighbors. Egypt will kind of become friends with them, and they can defend us. That's what we're going to do. And God says about that in Isaiah 29, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will set aside the understanding of the experts. You see, they've got this kind of, they're in trouble. They've got this self-help kind of approach, this self-help wisdom. We'll sort it out. And God says, that wisdom is it's not going to work. I'll just destroy that wisdom. And that's exactly the same wisdom you've got in Corinth, actually. Uh, Corinth is this place which is, is great for the, um, the kind of upwardly mobile. Um, it's, uh, it's unlike other parts of the Roman Empire. If you grew up in Rome itself, and you were kind of born as a lower-class citizen, that's it. You'll die as a lower-class citizen. Because there's a kind of aristocracy, and you, you, higher classes, you can't, you can't penetrate that. Corinth, on the other hand, was a very young city. It didn't have that established aristocracy. You could come as a a low person, but if you were willing to work, uh, you were willing to suck up to the right people and impress them, you could climb the ladder. You could become an impressive, powerful person. And that's what people did. That's what people were doing in the church, actually. They were trying to impress each other, impress the right people, put themselves forward so that they could kind of climb the ladder. Does that sound at all familiar, guys? That's our world too, isn't it? We're in a world where it doesn't really matter about your background. You can do it. Believe in yourself. Help yourself. Make the right networks and you can move up in the world. But God says, that kind of self-help wisdom when it comes to God, he says, I will destroy that wisdom. It doesn't have a future with God. When it comes to knowing God, This self-help wisdom is out of tune with God's wisdom. Because God's wisdom is the wisdom of the cross. And the wisdom of the cross says, you can't do it. You can't help yourself here. You were so unimpressive to God that he had to send his son Jesus to die in your place. He was quite willing to do it because he loves you so much. But you didn't help. The only thing you brought to the equation was your sin." You know, you didn't come to him as a powerful, strong, wise person who was very impressive to God. And God says, I'd love to have you on my team. Jump on board. If you think that's how you can approach God, it's not going to work. Verse 21 says, for since in God's wisdom, the world did not know God through wisdom. It tried to come to God with its own kind of wisdom and it couldn't get him. It couldn't know him. So how do we know God? How how is it possible? Let's read the whole verse again. Verse 21. For since in God's wisdom, the world did not know God through wisdom, God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of the message preached. We can't approach God with this kind of self-help wisdom. But if we come to him and just helplessly say, I need you, God. I need your forgiveness. I can't do it myself. He is pleased to save you as you just trust in that foolish-sounding message. But you know what, friends? That message is the hardest thing to grasp. People just don't seem to be able to do it. I don't know if you've tried to explain it to someone. It's, just, it's like you're speaking German to them. They can't pick it up. They don't know what's going on. And yet if we do, if we do hear and listen, see what happens. Verse 24. Yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is God's power and God's wisdom. Because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. And God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Have you found that, friends? Have you found that you've kind of come to God and helplessly, helplessly said, I need you? I'm just going to trust in this foolish sounding message about a a crucified Jesus. You've come to that and suddenly you've found actually this stuff. This is really powerful. You found that it actually changes you today and for all of eternity. And you found actually it's wise. You didn't expect that. It sounded foolish, but you found actually it's wisdom. Wiser actually than, than anything in this world. In fact, even the foolishness of God is wiser than this world's wisdom. I don't know if you found that to be your experience. I absolutely have. The wisest thoughts of the philosophers of this world look stupid compared to God's wisdom as far as I'm concerned. I don't know if you found that. Or do you still find the message of the cross sounds foolish? It just sounds weak. You're still stuck trying to self-help towards God. I can do it. I'm strong. I'm powerful. I'm wise. Friends, this is how it is. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. To those who are perishing. But it is God's power to us who are being saved. Well, here's a few practical little thoughts. If you're going to try to talk to someone about Jesus, don't expect them to be impressed. It's going to sound like foolishness. Here's another thought. If you're trying to talk to people about Jesus and you want to make it really palatable to the self-help kind of person out there in the world... You, you could do that by extracting the cross. But that you've, you've got no power left. Why would you do that? You know, we often think that if we could get the killer argument about the existence of God, then everyone will be converted. It's not true. But what would they need is the power of the cross. They need to hear of the foolish message of the cross. They need to throw themselves on that, and they'll be saved. It's really strange, actually. You look in verse 22 there. It says the Jews ask for signs. They want these kind of powerful signs. And the Greeks seek wisdom. This is our world is looking for wisdom and power. But we preach Christ crucified, weak and foolish. It's a stumbling block to these Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But what happens when they actually believe it? When they actually give up their search for this kind of worldly power and this worldly wisdom, what happens? They come to Jesus and they find exactly what they were looking for. Only more so. They find that in Jesus, actually, there's the power, there's the wisdom, more than I'd ever imagined before. This is what we find in the gospel. Well, friends, that's the dynamic of the cross, verse 18. Some are going to see foolish. Those who believe are going to see great power and wisdom. And that's the dynamic of our message, and that's the kind of core message for Christians. I hope you realize that. Um, And if that's the case, it's going to affect things. And so Paul goes on from verse 26 to talk about how that is reflected in our church membership. And then a little bit later, he'll tell us how it's reflected in our messengers. But look with me about, at our church membership in verse 26. Paul says, Brothers, consider your calling. Not many are wise from a human perspective, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. <clears throat> He's very good at complimenting people, isn't he? He's kind of telling them. They're pretty ordinary, really. And I think that's us. You know, our church, maybe there's some impressive people here, but our church kind of looks pretty ordinary. The world looks on in and says, yeah, whatever. You're a bit kind of silly and weak and all the rest. That's how you are. And you know what? That's actually on purpose. That's actually how God wants it, strangely, because that reflects the message. Looks foolish. We look foolish. And I... Um, a while ago, last November, I think it was, or October, I was up in Darwin. Uh, a few of us went up there to run this little youth conference thing, and I was doing some talks. And uh, on, after the Friday night session, I'd just done these talks. It was really hot and humid, and I was talking with someone, one of the kind of the youth that were there, and I saw this other girl kind of come towards us. And um, I'd spoken to her earlier in the night, and. Uh, I couldn't really, well, I'd gone to her, she was sitting on the side, so I went and said, hello, and she sort of looked at me and went, eh. And I thought, well, she's coming over to talk to me, it's going to be a terrible conversation, it's just going to be those really awkward moments, and I don't really want to talk to her. Um, and so I kind of thought, well, it's hot, and it's um, hot, and it's humid, and I'm tired, I, don't, I really don't want to talk to this girl. And I thought, you know, well, you know what? I, I'm the kind of, I'm the important person here, right? You know, I come up from Sydney to do the talks, I should talk to her, you know. And so she comes walking over, Uh, When I say walking, she's not really walking. She's kind of hobbling a bit. She's quite disabled. And she comes over to me, and and I start talking with her. Um, She's very hard to understand. She can't speak very well. Be speaking a bit like that. Um, And she says to me, um, when I was born, I couldn't walk or talk. But look at me now. How good is our God? And she says that now she speaks before hundreds of people at schools, this is a 13-year-old girl, indigenous girl, called Grace. She speaks before hundreds of people, speaking about God's kindness and his love towards her. And she says, I just, I just want to encourage you to keep on speaking the truth. Um, and in fact, I want to pray for you. And she puts her hand on my shoulder, and or well, my shoulder like this, and, and starts praying the most beautiful prayer, um, committing us both to God. Um, she prayed, everything we do is for you, God. We honor you. We love you. And I'm standing there completely ashamed. Completely ashamed for how I thought of her and how I thought of myself. You know, I've been utterly put in my place by a 13-year-old indigenous disabled girl. God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, and that was grace. She was viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something. And friends, there's a reason for all that. There's a reason why the church looks weak. So that no one can boast in his presence. So that none of us can say, God, I did it with my own strength. I'm wise, I'm powerful. And he says, no one has anything to boast about you're weak. Friends, we need to be careful here because so many of us are not weak, actually. The world looks at us and when we're outside our church anyway, and we actually look kind of powerful and kind of wise. Many of us look that way. There's a spectrum. I'm down one end of it, but that's okay. Many of you are up here. That's fine. We need to be careful. We need to be very careful that we don't think I've got something to boast in before God. We need to watch ourselves. We need to honor those who are weak and foolish among us because they teach us something. They remind us that it wasn't by your strength. It wasn't by my wisdom. It's only by thrusting ourselves helplessly on our great God, believing this foolish sounding message of a crucified Savior. That's what gets us somewhere with God. Verse 30. It is from God that you are in Christ Jesus who became God-given wisdom for us, our righteousness, our sanctification and redemption. It was not from ourselves. It was God's work who put us in Christ and in him we have all those blessings. It was not our work in order that, as it is written, the one who boasts must boast in the Lord. Friends, if we can understand this message and really grasp it down to the bones, it'll transform our community. Uh, Because that's actually the context here. Um, Actually, Paul's talking about unity in the church. Remember that last week, Paul was talking about that? It was back in chapter 1, verse 10. Paul, the apostle, uh, says, "Um, I hear there's factions among you. There's divisions. You shouldn't have any of that. And he's still talking about that way into chapter 3 and into chapter 4. That's what he's addressing here. Because you see, if we live by the wisdom of the world, this self-help, impressing other people thing, it's going to cause divisions. You know, we'll want to be, we'll honour the powerful people among us. We'll suck up to them. We'll kind of compete. We're in great danger of doing that, friends. Do you know that guy over there? He lives in a he lives in a in a penthouse, top floor. Wow, we should honour him. Yeah, wow, how good is he? Do you know she? Do you know who she worked with? Yeah, the famous, yeah, that's, that's right. To honor them. We have a great danger of doing that. But friends, if we embrace the message of the cross, you know what will happen? We'll end up being united and we'll honor the weak ones among us, not despise them and honor the powerful. That, that'll be the impact for the glory of God among the church. Well, we need to keep pressing into Christ. Christ and the message of the cross. And that's exactly where where Paul goes next. This is where he ends quite briefly uh, from chapter 2, verse 1. He's talking about the weak, foolish messenger. Uh, Just look with me uh, from chapter 2, verse 1. He says, when I came to you, brothers, announcing the testimony of God to you, I didn't come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. You know, in Corinth, you could have gone out to the marketplace and heard a bunch of people speaking really impressively, really wonderful speakers. And Paul says, I didn't do any of that. What did I do? Well, verse 2, I didn't think it was a good idea to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why not? Well, verse 4, my speech and my proclamation were not with persuasive words of wisdom but with a powerful demonstration by the Spirit. That is, great change came through the message by the Spirit so that your faith might not be based on men's wisdom but on God's power. Paul didn't want his speech to point to himself. You know, I'm so clever. He wanted to use all of his speaking gifts, whatever it was, to point to Christ crucified. Because that's where the power's at. Uh, Andy and I uh, have been speaking about this a little bit this week because we find it quite scary. Um, We don't want to speak in such a way that empties the cross of its power, but I don't want you to go to sleep either. You know? I kind of want to be interesting and engaging. Do you guys want that? Yeah, some of you are saying, it could have been a bit better tonight, Dan. could have been a bit, that's right. I know, but anyway, that's all right. But the thing is, we, we, we don't want you to kind of go, well, I'm, it's good stuff because the guy up there was convinced and he was passionate and he did a good job. I'm, I'm sure of it because he was or something. No, we want you to have an experience of the power of the gospel. They're actually hit by the truth of Christ crucified and by the power of the spirit. It does something for you changes you. People sometimes, not that often, but sometimes say to me, great sermon, Dan. And I just want to say thanks. But, but what, where was the power? Did it change you? Did it, did it help you see Jesus more clearly? What did it do for you? Friends, we need to see Jesus more clearly. We need to just focus in on the message of the cross. Sounds foolish to the world. I know. Expect it. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Get on with it. Get over it. That's how it's going to be. But for us, who are being saved, It's, it's power, it's our wisdom, it's our righteousness. The crucified, dishonored servant now rules on high in power and all wisdom. And we just need to focus in on him. We're going to do that now, actually in a kind of a symbolic way. We're going to take communion. I'll invite the band to jump up and get ready. Uh, Jesus has given us actually this way of, of just reflecting and remembering what he's done for us. You might remember that on the night before he died, the night before he did that very, very weak looking thing, that was actually the most powerful thing that has ever happened, that night he took bread, and after having given thanks to his father, he broke it and handed it around to his disciples and said, this is my body. This is, this is a symbol of my body. It's been broken for you. Take it and eat it. Do this in remembrance of me, that my body is going to be broken so that you can live. And then after the supper, he took a cup of wine and again, having given thanks to his father, he gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink. So we're going to do that now. We're going to remember the cross. Um, So as we sing this next song, some juice and some bread are going to be passed around. If you're the kind of person who said, yep, I'm powerless. I can't help myself. I need your help, Jesus. If that's you, please take some bread, take some juice, hold on to it. And we'll eat and drink after this next song. And just as you do it, just look at the bread and look how pathetic it is. Look at the tiny, pathetic little cup. Think of how foolish it looks. And remember remember the cross. looks pathetic. That's the most powerful thing. The most powerful thing. Please stand. We'll sing together.